Boker Tov, Erev Tov, Bruchim Abayim. So tonight, uh, this morning, uh, we uh, enter into uh, Chapter 2. After having spent our first two weeks trying to flesh out some aspects of Daniel the person, Daniel the prophet, or not the prophet, um, and uh, some of uh, his extraordinary behavior, his, his courage. And uh, so Chapter 2 really takes us into some of the drama of the book itself and uh, Daniel's role uh, in the world of dreams. Uh, I thought it'd be good to begin uh, by uh, quoting uh, a comment made by the, uh, the people at Merkaz Harav who studied Sefer Daniel and said, Daniel megalem b'yishu one of the reasons that we read and study Sefer Daniel is because Daniel represents the personality of of somebody that could represent Jewish history in in the diaspora. Huagola Harishon. They say in some ways, uh, you know, we might look at him uh, outside of uh, the the personality of Yecheskel Anavi as uh, our pedestrian or uh, non, non. Uh, if we follow uh, the majority opinion, the non-profit personalities. He's an extraordinary person. There's no question. But he's uh, he, he's a, 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 a citizen a, a, and a member, or one of the people of the exiles. There's a lot to be learned. They tell us about the the, the nature and the. Uh, uh, the way Jews lived in Galut, and uh, we saw some of that last week when we saw the people turning to Daniel and calling him Daniel Rabbeinu and asking him uh, about how to conduct themselves. And the uh, the reason, the other reason why I, I brought this quote from the Merkaz Arav people is that what they bring into the center of our attention is that uh, the Galiot uh, span. Uh, what is one of the central topics of uh, Sefer Daniel and one that we will begin to look at in greater depth this evening, Amir Tashem, are the four Malchiot. Uh, four Malchiot are, a, are a, uh, a simple way of making reference to the great empires or the great uh, rulers that ruled over the Jews in exile. Uh, who that is, how that is, is uh, a good part of what we'll be entering into, God willing, in, in the forthcoming shear. Uh, I, I think it should be mentioned, you know, that uh, unlike Yirmiyahu, Yishayahu, and Yechezkel, uh, Daniel, who's our protagonist, was selected and groomed by an earthly king. Uh, we read in chapter 1 about how Nebuchadnezzar, in his attempt to acculturate the exiles, uh, you know, chose the finest young men, and so the choice or to the putting Daniel on the stage was really done by an earthly king as opposed to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Uh, the uh, very storied fates of Daniel and his friends, uh, his fellows, Hananiah, Mishael, Vazaria, offers us a chilling account of uh, human choice in general, and we're going to learn a lot about the psyche of tyrants, uh, this tyrant in particular, the man uh, that we are referring to uh, in Perik, uh, in these Prakim as Nebuchadnezzar. Last week we said 
who that might be. We mentioned that Nebuchadnezzar might be a, a, a generic term, but uh, that was last week's year. Uh, so I'm going to begin by reading uh, the very beginning of uh, Perik Bet. Uh, you'll notice immediately, um, well, let's go ahead and uh, you can be surprised on your own or, or not. So in the second year, um, there are discussions on the Mepharshim as to which, what second year refers to. Uh, unlikely that was the second year of his reign, perhaps the second year after he destroyed Yerushalayim. He has dreams. So Nebuchadnezzar uh, is very disturbed by his dreams, and his heart and his mind are racing and beating. So the king calls for his magicians, uh, for his soothsayers, uh, for the people who are know the dark arts and and the uh, and people who might be fortune tellers, and the costume who are the ancient uh, ancient tribe, if you will, of Babylon. Uh, and the word goes out with a very strange call, and the call from the king is uh, that he, what he wants is for these uh, people, that he's, his advisors, his inner council, to come forward and to tell him what the dream was. Now here I'm speaking quite literally. So for instance, in contrast to this, the Paro story, uh, which we've made reference to in the past, uh, Shurim, uh, the job of the would-be interpreters in the king's court are not only to offer an interpretation, but to actually tell the, the king what his dream was, because apparently the king forgot the dream. And the king said, I had this dream, and it's got me in a very excited state, and I want to know the dream. And here's our transition. And the costume, uh, sort of the elders of the, of the court and the leader of his inner council, uh, respond to him in Aramaic. King of the universe, of the world, uh, long may you live. Uh, why don't you offer up the dream and we'll give you the, uh, we'll, we'll offer an interpretation. And the king, Nebuchadnezzar, responds to his uh, inner council, and he says, Milta mini azda. He says, I know one thing for sure, and here we're not going to read all of the rest of this in Aramaic, but just to be mindful that until the eighth chapter now, uh, Sefer Daniel is going to uh, move over uh, from Hebrew, uh, from Ivrit, uh, to Aramaic, which was the spoken language of the Babylonians. Uh, there's one more line in the Aramaic that I want to uh, say in Aramaic so that you get the, the musicality of the language and also uh, uh, something to uh, think about as we move forward. Uh, so here we have the king... Um, uh, speaking to Daniel, 
and Daniel is uh, telling the king that uh, you know he's able to uh, respond to the king's request, and uh, he's uh, and he the Amar. If you look at the cursor here, the Amar Raza di Malka Shael lo Hakimim Eshvin Chatumim Gazlin Yichalin Lahavvayel Malka. So, as the uh, as we'll soon see, uh, Daniel. Uh, Validates uh, the claim of the inner court, saying it's the, the uh, it's really beyond the ordinary court advisors of the time to be able to rem- tell the dream uh, the way we're going to put it this, in in this class is to talk about intuit the dream and offer an interpretation. Vegale razia hodach di leheves. So um, you know they're not, they're not capable of doing that. It's out of their skill set to tell you a dream that you you know that you can't remember, and they how would they know the dream? And you know once the dream's out there, well, sure everybody can offer their opinion about anything, but you've you've tasked them with something that Daniel says is really beyond them. And then he says, "Ve'ana la bechachma di itibi kolchaya galili." I can't tell you, Your Majesty, he says, that, you know, I came to this on my own, and I can't tell you the Raz, the secret, uh, or the interpretation. I can't uh, uh, un- unravel the puzzle of the dream for you. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, God revealed it to me, and so I'm going to pass it on to you. One last uh, phrase here in the Aramaic, because uh, it's really probably the most powerful of all the ideas in chapter 2. And uh, what we're going to read here about is that, uh, just to uh, uh, frame the, the dream, uh, you know, Nebuchadnezzar has a dream of this giant statue that's made of gold, silver, brass, and, and, and steel iron, and, and some, um, and some uh, dust or some dirt. And suddenly, this stone flies out from nowhere. Hitazeret even um, a stone that's not thrown or or hewn by any hand, suddenly comes and smashes, uh, topples the, uh, the the monument, uh, this great uh, this great uh, thing that Nebuchadnezzar uh, saw in his dream. And uh, it, it completely disintegrates. So you know that's that's the theme that we've got here is this dream, and Daniel's uh, role in uh, dealing with the dream. Uh, I'll read some of the Hebrew translation. Uh, as I mentioned in the opening shiur, there are a number of translations uh, that we could use. Um, I'm not committed to any of them, but this one is by somebody. It's called Targum Gordon. And I thought it was it would suffice for our needs here. So This is where we picked off. Why don't you just tell us the dream, and we'll offer interpretation? The king Nebuchadnezzar says to his inner council and the leaders, uh, the the old Kasdim, Hadavar vaday mimeni. So the king may not know anything for sure, and he, he can't even remember the dream, but he's certain. So 
So I, I, I offered you at the outset that we were going to learn something about the psyche of a, uh, a tyrant, somebody who truly rules the world. And Nebuchadnezzar says, well, you know, I may not remember my dream, but i tell you one thing for sure. And that is, if you guys sitting in my inner council, my advisors, my magicians, whatever you, know, you want to call them, if you can't tell me the dream and its interpretation, I'll have you cut up into little pieces and I'll destroy your homes. Just that. So this is a very insistent king, and it's either or. Uh, either they can come up with the dream, come up with the interpretation, um, or, uh, you know, their lunch meat, literally speaking. Um, and, you know, so then you have uh, this very, very uh, confrontational conversation where the inner council people say, Your Majesty, tell us the dream, and we'll offer you the, the, the uh, interpretation. And now the king, uh, you know, says again, you know, I know, he says, that you're trying, you're trying to buy time. Uh, because you don't know, and you can be sure that if you don't follow through, uh, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have your head, so to speak. And the Kastim, uh, you know, reply, and they say, you're asking for something impossible. You know, you can imagine, you know, we, uh, uh, we remember from the Pharaoh story, you know, that, the, that there was a scribe sitting uh, in the royal court, uh, you know, certainly in the Medrash, you know, writing down the goings-on in the royal court, you know, which essentially made up for the written history of that day. And essentially the, uh, the Kazdim uh, uh, are telling the king, you know, you can search uh, the annals of history. There's no such, there's no precedent for a great king to ask such a thing of, of anybody in their council. And what you're asking is just simply in our vernacular impossible. Uh, and that can't be done. And so the king uh, gets really irritated, he gets sore, and, he, and, he, and he, he offers a royal decree, which we should pay attention to because it's going to include uh, at this stage, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, who are in this gaggle of advisors. Daniel has not been approached and he hasn't spoken. Uh, the, the elderly costume, uh, or the leading costume have, and the king orders a, a decree. And the king uh, gives the order, and he brings in his sergeants in arm, and one by one, Vadat Yatsa, here you hear, uh, you hear um, the music of Migilat Aster, that the decree uh, went out, and Vachachachamim Neharagim, and there's a slaughter going on uh, in the castle. Vandu Daniel Vachaverav Leheareg. So uh, Daniel and his friends uh, stood to be executed. Uh, I'm just going to, uh, for purposes of brevity, um, and since we're not reading the text in, in the Aramaic, uh, just to sort of summarize what happens. So Daniel, um, you know, speaks to Aryoch, who is the uh, head of the, uh, the king's guard. 
uh, and who's under orders to kill all the king's advisors. And uh, Daniel, either actually or uh, strategically, uh, suddenly you know turns to Aryoch uh, with cre- with complete timidity and uh, innocence and says, uh, you know, what's going on? What's happening? And uh, so uh, Aryoch uh, dutifully responds and he tells uh, Daniel uh, what's going on and uh, that that people are going to, are, are being killed because they're not following through uh, with the uh, with the order of the king. So uh, Daniel asks for some time and he says, uh, you know, give me a bit, let me go to my house, and uh, if you give me time, I'll come up with the uh, with the pitaron. Okay, so Azai Daniel leveto halach. Daniel goes home. And he told Chanania Mishael and Azaria. Uh, what's going on? And he's going to go home, and he's going to daven. Presumably, he's telling them to to say tefillah or to daven as well, to find out. And you see it here in the red. And, and anyway, I could emphasize it: the raz, the raz, raz being the secret or the unknown or the puzzle. Shelo yavdu Daniel v'chaveirav imshar chachmei bavel. They don't want to. They don't want to die. Azai nigla haraz leDaniel bechazion halayla. And so, um, it is not the king who's dreaming now, but it's Daniel who's dreaming. And in the visions of the night, Billy Joel, Azai berech Daniel et Elohe hashamayim. So Daniel blessed. He davened to Hakadosh Baruch Hu Elayah Shemayim. Ona Daniel v'Omer, and here's a line for the ages: Yehei Shem Ha'Elohim Avarach, which in the Aramaic you all know is Yehei Shem Raba Mevarach. This is its origins here in Sefer Daniel. Min Holam Ve'Ad Holam Li'Olam Li'Olmei So Daniel is praising Hakadosh Baruch Hu in his davening. Asher Chokhmah Va'Gvura Shelohi. God who is possessed of the wisdom and the might to do everything. So this is part of Daniel's praise of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that God knows all time. He, he, God is in charge of deciding who reigns in the world and who does not, who, is, who has wisdom and insight into things, uh, who understands nature and who does not. And then, in Pasuk Chavbet, 22, Megale et ha'amukot? God reveals the, didn't, the hidden or the deep things. Ve'etanistarot. Yodea ma'shebechoshech va'orimo sharui. Because all is, is in light and enlightened in the world of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. HaKadosh Baruch Hu, there are no secrets from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. We're the ones who, you know, don't, are, are, live in the hidden world. Lachene Elohei, uh, by the way, Olam, you know, the word Olam in Hebrew means, you know, something that is Behelem in, in Hasidus. It's, uh, you know, we're, we're, the truth is hidden from us. Lacha Elokei Avosai, Modem Shabeachani Asher Chochma Vagvura Natatali, and this is more of the prayer. 
and ukait hodatani et asher bikashnu mimeka shetavah hamelech hodatanu. So Daniel is now uh, speaking to Hakadosh Baruch Hu. Hakadosh Baruch Hu gives him uh, uh, the uh, the dream, and he gives him the uh, the interpretation. And uh, Daniel returns to the royal uh, court. He goes back to the sergeant in arms, Terayoch, uh, who is still in charge. The slaughter of the uh, inner court of the king is still going on. And vechena malo et chachmei bavel al taved. So Daniel, in what can only be imagined, is something that was a quite a dramatic moment. Says Aryoch, go to the king, tell the king to stop killing everybody, and to bring me forward uh, so that I can have a, a presence with the king, an audience with the king, and I will tell him the dream, and I will tell him, you know, the I will tell him uh, the I will interpret it for him. So uh, we we read further that Aryoch uh, brings uh, uh, in a great panic brings Daniel in front of the king, uh, and he says uh, Aryoch says to the king Matsati, I found Ishmi bnei Galut Yehuda, I found this man amongst the exile from Yehuda, Asheyodia et Apitaron Lamelach, and I found somebody who can interpret the king for the uh, the dream for the king. So here we have Daniel's. Uh, we we read uh, earlier in Perak Aleph that uh, that Netzar's, um, college of uh, education had changed the names of uh, of Daniel and his friends, and uh, Daniel is known as Balshatzar. So can you tell me? And here again you see in the red and the underline of Raz. You're, you know, leave, leave your advisors alone. They can't know this. Ulam, however, There is a single God in heaven who reveals secrets, and uh, in a way that reminds us of the, the way that uh, Yosef HaTzadik approached uh, his comments to Paro and formed them this way, God is telling the great uh, king Nebuchadnezzar, what is going to happen in the future at the end of days, your dream, and he's, you know, the the you can hear the drum roll. Uh, you know, I'm now going to reveal all of this. And then Daniel, you know, uh, just before he actually uh, recites the dream, he says, "Vani, uh, 